Welcome back to episode 43 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. In this episode, we're reviewing the late Premier League signings. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, a podcast dedicated to the official FPL Draft game. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for an episode dedicated to the late arrivals to the Premier League. So these are all of the players that you wouldn't have been able to waver in for game week three. So these are mostly the uh, transfer deadline day signings. Um, and this is a period which tends to be a real lively uh, waiver and, and trading period as all of the new players are in. Some of the players I will mention in this podcast include Vlasic, Emerson, Cucurella and uh, some bloke called Cristiano Ronaldo. So let's get into it. So only one place to start and unless you're currently sat bottom of your draft league, it's pretty hard to feel much excitement about the return of Cristiano Ronaldo as he provides one of the best rewards for a shit start you're likely to ever see in draft fantasy football. So much so that there was a race to the bottom in in my league and I'm sure many other leagues over the past couple of weeks to the point that there is now more than a 100 point gap between top and bottom after just three game weeks. But how good should we expect him to be this season? Well, don't doubt for a second that he will start every single game in which he's fit. No bench in the world is strong enough to hold that ego um, and we can be fairly confident he will play as uh, an old-fashioned number nine as he has drifted into in the past few years. With this will come penalties, sorry Bruno owners, uh, and also the majority of the direct free kick opportunities from around the penalty areas. For anyone that thinks Bruno will stay on pens, I would point to the 10-year age gap between Bruno and Ronaldo. Um, you know, Bruno would have grown up watching Ronaldo in his prime and looks up to him as his international captain. So for me, there really will be no conflict there. Ronaldo scored 29 league goals last season for Juventus. Uh, I think it's a conservative estimate to say he gets 20 Premier League goals this year, especially with the number of penalties he's likely to take and as such will be one of the highest scoring players in the game. There is a component to the Ronaldo uh, analysis that is seldom mentioned, at least when it comes to FPL, and that's the emotional pull he creates. Now, we could write about his stats and achievements until the cows come home, but it's undeniable the FOMO this guy creates. I can remember having Ronaldo in my FPL team when he was initially at United, and the idea of having him back again is a nostalgia trip that is hard to pass on. Obviously, in draft mode, there's only one ticket to ride that trip down memory lane, but the clamber to get him in the standard game has seen nearly a million managers pull the trigger already. If you're in a league like ours that had an embargo on wavering new players in, then Romelu Lukaku will also be on your list of potential candidates. But really, just imagine not getting Ronaldo, having had the opportunity to do so. On a side note, it is worth mentioning the impact his arrival will have on the other Man United assets. Cavani will now have to provide uh, a support role and will see the vast majority of his time coming off the bench. Bruno is in no danger of being dropped, but from an FBL perspective, he will likely take a big hit due to the lack of set pieces. I still expect United to smash teams on their day, and so Bruno will get a few hauls, but all pre-season points projections go out the window, as does his top three overall draft rank, and there's probably a great conversation to be had at the moment if you were drafting now as to where he would be taken. Next is Nikola Vlasic, who um, was brought in for nearly £26 million from CSKA Moscow to West Ham. Uh, That fee tells me he's not been brought in to play a backup role. He's predominantly a number 10, which means I think Pablo Fornals is most likely to see his playing time impacted by uh, the arrival. But he could play anywhere behind number 9 if required. 
He seems to be a good replacement for the whole left by Lingard in that team, though I think West Ham would have happily accommodated both of them if they you know, were allowed to. If we look at Vlasic's recent seasons in Moscow, he's averaging a goal involvement around uh, one in two games, and people are often sceptical of these numbers from the lesser leagues, but this just reminds me of fellow West Ham teammate Thomas Suchek, who has managed to keep up an impressive amount of goal involvements since moving to the Premier League. And if the numbers tell you anything, it's that he knows where the goal is. Whether you want to gamble on him now is up to you, but I can't see him sitting in the waiver pile for very long as the next few weeks tick by. On to Spurs and uh, Emerson Royal was brought in late in the window. I'll be honest, never heard of the bloke before this uh, transfer popped up. Feels like a, you know a similar mould signing to Reguilón being surplus to requirements at one of the biggest uh, Spanish clubs. But when you consider the economic climate at Barcelona, perhaps he's all right and they just need the money. Spurs were pretty spoiled at right back for much of the last decade with Walker, Trippier, even Walker-Peters um, before the, the Serge Aurier period began. And the fullback is a position that rewards consistency and that's what we need to hope Emerson can bring. He's only 22. Um, he's had a few caps for the Brazilian team and for some reason had a 300 million euro release clause in the Barca contract that he signed. So someone must have rated him or at least wanted it to appear that they did. Also a quick trawl through uh, Barca Twitter suggests the majority of, of their fans are unhappy he was sold, which again bodes well. I'm not really sure how quickly we see him in the Premier League. Um, he'll likely be bedded in through the cup games and once his fitness is up to scratch, he seems set to be our, our starting right back. The only thing that could go in his favour um, in terms of seeing him quite soon in, in the Premier League is that the international uh, window we're in now and some of the isolation periods that need to happen means some of our South American players won't be able to feature next week uh, against Crystal Palace. So there's quite a good chance we're left with just Tanganga and Eric Dyer as centre-backs, meaning he gets thrown straight in at right-back, assuming Doherty isn't preferred. Next is Mark Kukurea, who's... Uh, gone to Brighton for a fee of around £18 million. Now, Brighton do not spend £18 million on a player to sit on the bench, and I fully expect him to be quickly integrated into that left wing-back position, uh, assuming they continue to line up with a back three. He had five goal involvements for Jatafi last season, but when you consider they only scored 28 goals as a team and their top scorers had only five each, he was well in the mix. Brighton have some good clean sheet opportunities coming up and it'll be interesting to see if he can add any extra potency in an attack that struggles on its day. Definitely one to pick up in, in larger leagues, not one to rush for in more conventionally sized leagues, but definitely an option if you want some Brighton defensive coverage and there are no other options. The other thing to look out for is that he has played in more attacking positions and there's a good chance he ends up being one of this season's out of position players in FPL. Next is Maxwell Cornet, who has gone to Burnley. Not the most Burnley signing you're likely to see, but I think he'll be a solid addition who really strengthens their first 11. He's a versatile player that has played in a number of positions over the past few years, but I think Burnley will probably deploy him as a winger predominantly. He's been listed as a midfielder in FPL, despite playing last season predominantly at left-back, which probably makes him a fairly unappealing option for now. Had he gone in as a defender, there probably would have been a lot of excitement about his clean sheet and goal threat. But as it stands, I think we wait and see how he adjusts to the culture shock that sees him move from UNESCO World Heritage City, Leon to Burnley. On to Arsenal next, who brought in Tomiyasu, a versatile defender from Bologna, who can play either as a centre-back or right-back. 
Looking at the numbers, he's played the majority of his career as a centre-back, but seemed to be consigned to right-back more towards the latter end of last season. Uh, If he can defend, I don't think Arsenal will care too much where he plays as there aren't many nailed-on defenders in that starting eleven. That said, I'm pretty sure they'll use him as a right-back. This is where the fixtures really start to turn for Arsenal after a tricky start, though the FDR on the FPL site paints it to be probably a slightly rosier picture than it is. Arsenal need to get six points from the next two games realistically at home to Norwich and away to Burnley before the North London derby in game week six. Another good bit of business for Burnley was to bring in Connor Roberts, who is a decent right-back option as Matt Loughton isn't getting any younger. Burnley are always decent value for a clean sheet, but I'd probably wait to see until he secured a spot in the team before considering him. Burnley don't really have the easiest run coming up either, so probably you know one to just hold back on. To Leicester next, who um, brought in Adamola Lookman, who is still only 23 years old. It feels like he's been around for ages now. Um, he looked like a proper Premier League player last year for Fulham, getting four goals and four assists, playing the majority of the season. That 98th minute uh, failed Penenka penalty still sticks in my mind, but generally he looked lively and probably should have had uh, more returns if he'd had some better quality around him. And his expected stats seem to support this. My only issue with Lookman going to Leicester is how he will fit in with Harvey Barnes uh, in the same team as Lookman predominantly plays off the left. I wonder if he'll be moved over to the right side or if they'll share playing time. Either way, I think he will really suit the way Leicester play, and as a Vardy owner in my main draft league, I look forward to seeing how he fits in. West Ham also signed a backup for Declan Rice in Alex Kral. Unlikely to feature, barring any injuries, scored three senior goals in nearly 150 games, not one to consider for FPL. To Everton, who and you know Rafa Benitez loves a bit of Salomon Rondon, since we last saw him in the 18-19 season, Rondon has been on a grand tour of the totalitarian superpowers. First in the CSL, where he played 26 games and scored 14. Uh, and then to Russia, a place he's familiar with from his Zenit days, where he scored four in just 13 appearances for CSKA Moscow. I think it would be way too too Rafa Benitez if he ends up starting games, and he's likely to be used to kill the game uh, in the dying minutes or come in as cover if one of the other forwards are injured. So for me, not really an option for FPL. Possibly one of the more attractive options on the list is uh, Odson Edouard, who has gone from Celtic to Crystal Palace. I really like some of the business Palace have done this transfer window. Um, I think they've lacked somebody that can reliably put the ball in the back of the net for a long time now, with Benteke having shown for a few years now he, he can't reliably provide goals. I don't think they'll be as solid as the back this season, which means they need to score more to get points on the board. He seems like a ready-made centre-forward to go straight into the starting eleven uh, and make an instant impact on the Premier League. Those who were scraping the barrel for a third striker on draft day could do a lot worse than to pick him up this week. One other move to mention is Dan James's move from United to Leeds. Now, obviously, he was available in the game. Um, this is just an uh, intra-Premier League transfer. I think this is a really good move for James and will probably give him the best chance to thrive compared with virtually every other team in the league. Some were talking about this move as if he was going to be some sort of impact sub, but I don't see that at all. The consensus seems to be that James would start on the right and allow Rafinha to move more centrally, which would be interesting to see how that affects his numbers. The likely candidate to miss out, therefore, is almost certainly Rodrigo, who has played less than half the minutes already uh, and would probably be better suited himself as an impact sub. In larger leagues, I think uh, starting these attacker is hard to pass up, but for 8-10 team leagues, 
he's probably one you can wait and see how he adapts to life in that lead system. Not many notable late departures. We had uh, a few few players getting loaned out. Bellerin, Nelson, Moise Keane, Pratt, Helder Costa. A lot of these wouldn't have been taken in your leagues anyway, so shouldn't affect your teams too much. That's it for this episode. If you like the content, please uh, make sure you follow on whichever podcast platform you're listening on uh, so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Follow me on Twitter at FPL Draft Hub Pod. This is probably the easiest way to get in contact with me if you've got any questions or thoughts. Also a good opportunity to direct you to fpldrafthub.com where you can get personalised stats for your team and league. If you've not been there already, you've got a nice uh, free weekend during the international break now where you can head over there and check out all of the stats that are on there. There's so much on there now, it's probably worth a whole podcast in itself and I will definitely be getting... uh, Taryn in for a podcast at some point soon where we can do a proper deep dive into all of the stuff that goes on on the website but really just go and check it out for yourself. Make sure you don't fully go to sleep on your FPL teams during the international break it can be very easily done so be sure to pencil in some transactions and waivers well ahead of the deadline which is on Friday morning ahead of the opening game on Saturday lunchtime which sees Crystal Palace host Spurs. This is usually one of the biggest uh, transaction waiver windows of the year with all of these new toys that have come in. So you really don't want to miss out, especially if you're lower down in the league. This is really your chance to pick someone up that could have a massive impact on your season. So best of luck ahead of that waiver window. I will be doing a Game Week 4 preview pod before then just to look at the fixtures and go through some of the other players that are worth bringing in. But as always, best of luck and stay shook. Sure.